Welcome back to the One Winning Podcast, where the Ravens are back in the win column, but barely. In some ways, felt like an inverse of last game, where instead of us uh, praying for a Tucker record-breaker field goal to go in, we were hoping that a McManus, measly 63-yarder, by Tucker standards at least, uh, would fall short, which thankfully it did. Ravens escaped. Uh, tough contest from the Broncos' defense, 10-9. to and are 8-4, and four, tied atop the AFC North uh, for the division lead, but that is far from the whole story. <laughs> There's certainly a lot to talk about, I would say. Uh, and Alec, I'm pretty sure you're in agreement with that. Yeah, I'm excited for this conversation, and I want to start off by saying I apologize if my voice is terrible. It's actually not from cheering at the game. It gave out on Saturday. I don't know why. <laughs> and uh, as Peter said, I have the Clay's Campbell effect right now. <laughs> That's right. We were talking after recording last week about how Calais Campbell's voice is so deep. And apparently, if you look up it up about it, the at least the way Campbell t- uh, talks about it is that he just just kind of because he, he just screams so much on the football field. Eventually, it just it just got lower one day, and it's been that way since. Uh, so, scientifically proven, Campbell lost his voice from screaming on the football field and has never recovered. But uh, <laughs> before we get to that, though, man, uh, how was Vegas? You want to share anything from your trip? Oh, man, it was so much fun. Uh, I got to meet Jordan Co. again uh, and his lovely girlfriend, and we had a lot of fun. Uh, we, we played craps and uh, got to see Adele, which was absolutely incredible. Uh, she put on easily the most, I would say, the most impressive show I've ever seen. I joked with Rachel, but I was like, but have you ever seen Rush before? <laughs> as far as like best concerts ever. So I really enjoyed it, and uh, Jordan was awesome the whole way, and and as was his girlfriend, and we, we just had a really good time. So, uh, yeah, definitely nice. a lot of fun. And I, I don't think I lost my voice there. Like, yeah, we played craps, and I might have been projecting over the crowd noise or whatever, but, like, it didn't feel like that. And then just, like, out of nowhere disappeared when some random guy in the elevator was asking what I was up to that night. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, I don't know why this is happening. And it just happened right there. But, uh, yeah, let's proceed with this terrible game recap i did not want to rewatch the film but for the people i did it (laughs) and uh yeah i mean it was about as ugly as i thought it was when rewatching the film yeah and it's funny it's again another instance i feel like where you know in the podcast of course because we like to put a positive spin on everything and, and hope for the best. We said best case scenario, the Broncos have packed in for the season and the Ravens are able to use this as a bounce back game. But we said, realistically, like this is a really tough defense. This defense scares us and it could make this game much closer and much more of a nail biter than it should seem to be when you look at these two teams and the disparity in record. And like we got that latter, more realistic game script Yet it's still like whenever we get that, we're still watching it and we're still like not believing it because <laughs> we just, I guess we just have so much faith in this team. But um, yeah, the Broncos defense, I think they're on a mission for the rest of the season to prove that like, you know, they're not the problem. It's Russ. And they certainly took out a lot of anger on the Ravens uh, offense, especially when Lamar was out. Uh, but I mean, credit to them. They did a great job, but luckily the Ravens had good luck on fourth down and were able to to pull it out by mere inches, almost literally. <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoyed uh, the fact that I was right at the end 
because I kept telling the Kfish, I was like, man, I just think that they're not going to let up any more points as long as it's a one-score game on the last drive that the Ravens hold. It won't be before then. <laughs> I was like, they'll have a quintessential go, uh, you know, drive. They'll get all the way down the field, right. and they're going to score. It, it wouldn't like, be the 2022 Ravens if not. And he was like, why do you think that based on what you've seen? I'm like, it's not based off this. <laughs> it's just based off history. Right. <laughs> and also just like, I just had a deep down faith. Like, hey, they the Broncos weren't going to score. They I can't believe they even scored nine, to be frank. Like, it, you look back on it, it's like three ba- bad plays. And sure enough, like, it worked out where they go down the field and got some assistance, I think, from the refs. <laughs> but it, it worked out. And... I will say the like, commit. I I do uh, give credit where credit's due to the Broncos' defense. They were able to they were able to tackle really well and make sure that we got basically no yak all day. And we were throwing so many short, quick passes that meant that the drives had to be perfect. Like you couldn't have an incompletion. You had to, <laughs> you know, you couldn't throw a pick. You couldn't, uh, you know, have a bad run or, or anything because they were only getting a couple yards of play. Before we proceed, we have to have a shout out to Rachel, who just provided Alec with what I'm going to assume is some very soothing, very tasty tea. So, yes. <laughs> Thank you to my lovely wife. I am trying to get through this as best as I can. I was like, run a request. I meant to make this, but it's showtime and I forgot. Because <laughs> I need any at all help I can get. Yeah. I, yeah. And, and, and you do bring a good point. I mean, it's, it's tough to, to grade the offense in this game because of course Lamar gets hurt right at the end of the first quarter and we bring in Huntley who hasn't played at all this season so he's got to rush in there he doesn't have Ronnie Stanley he doesn't have J.K. Dobbins he has um he doesn't have Rashad Bateman uh, you know it's a tough situation and oh you're playing one of the best defenses in the NFL so it's like I don't know it it, it feels to me like well let's just get this out of the way to start with, you know, Huntley came in and unfortunately it seems like almost out of the gate. We're, we're not getting Lamar next week. Um, I know you guys were at the game, the television broadcast where they were showing Lamar, uh, in the tunnel hobbling and using the railing to, to walk through there did not look great. Uh, it feels like we're all the way back in 2021. Uh, You know, this is a different injury. It's not. So hopefully the prognosis isn't as bad as that, but (laughs) You know, I, I guess we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, thoughts on Tyrell Huntley uh, in this game, given who he was playing against and what he had to work with? You know, I think it was a pretty commendable performance. You know, obviously he had that really bad pick. I'm sure he would want to get it back. Lots of scrambling because the offensive line was not holding up well, but it was effective scrambling. And I would say... You know, he kept the trains on time. Very few incompletions, which was what was necessary with the game plan of these short passes. And yeah, I think all in all, he did all right. I mean, it's the exact Huntley we saw last year. Apparently, the guys think that he's grown, so hopefully that's true. But like, I felt like it looked very similar to that, where he will do literally just enough to maybe win. <laughs> that's kind of my my takeaway. Yeah, and that's what I felt too. Um, of course, whenever things like this happen, uh, there's going to be t- some people who 
are, are going to take the other end of the stick and say like, oh, well, look, the Ravens actually won this game. The offense wasn't doing anything when Lamar was in there. Uh, Huntley will have a much cheaper uh, contract. Let's take Huntley. That conversation has started up again. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll even, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss this. So uh, we didn't necessarily have a listener question, but we did have a comment from a listener on Twitter. Uh, Soul believes that, uh, Huntley gave us a better chance to win in this game than Lamar. Uh, he's better at the quick passing game. His mobility to escape the pocket is near Lamar's. Uh, so he, in his opinion, and, and he's not the only person with this opinion, so I think it is worth uh, exploring, or at least discussing, that believes that Tyler Huntley's skill set was better in this specific game for a win than using Lamar's. Now, I don't agree with that. I don't think you agree with that, but let's at least talk about, you know, what are the skill sets that Huntley has that can help us down the stretch? Cause you know, I need it. And I think you did mention it right there. The quick passing game is the, the one thing that, that he does that can really help this offense out. Um, Lamar, we know doesn't always jump it down to, to check down. He doesn't always um, get, take that easy throw he wants to try and make the big play and sometimes that can be to a detriment lead to a sack of course but I mean Huntley we saw it again this game that's something that he does well his skill set is obviously more limited than Lamar but um, in what's hopefully a limited role for him to play maybe that's something that can patch be patchwork enough to carry the Ravens through these few games uh, while they wait for Lamar to get healthy you're definitely right that the conversation has spun up about Huntley and his ability to, you know, maybe be a better option given the fact that you'll have to pay Lamar a big contract number and they could get more weapons around him or improve the defense or whatever with that cash flow. And I, I really don't see it. I just think that Lamar is so much more dynamic <laughs> and like a better passer. And I think the only reason people like the Huntley effect is because for whatever reason, like, I'm not saying it's Lamar's fault. I talked about this with Kay Fish, and, like, I'm not saying it's Lamar's fault. I'm just saying something changes. Maybe it's the menu does go to the specials rather than the Cheesecake Factory, and the they get the ball off faster. It seems like they call more – they just call – they don't expect as much. So they call simpler plays, which at least like, – I mean, we have no dynamic playmakers, really, other than Mark Andrews. So, like, maybe, maybe likely to a bit. You know, I mean, all these guys mm-hmm. are, like – occasional dynamic they're in the NFL they have skills don't get me wrong but like we saw Little Yak and that's partially their defense and also partially our weapons and I just think like you can't live off of five yard outs all year and that's kind of what Huntley gives you to the for the most part and yeah I mean I, I liked his decision to scramble early and often because I think that having him play out of structure like that is good I thought he had a magnificent play. The best play of the game, from in my opinion, was when he pump faked Drake open on the second yes. to last play. Yes, I mean that was magical. Lamar level stuff right there. But like, you know, I just think I think he could start in the NFL. I think he's better than some current starting quarterbacks. I do not think that he is the future of any franchise, and he. Like, but he could be he could be in this league forever as a backup, <laughs> like, and that's where he is, and that's fine. Sure. 
Uh, and he so probably just, will be. I mean, you look at guys yeah. like Colt McCoy and, and Tyrod Taylor, even though Tyrod did get a, a short chance at a starting job. Um, well, several, but it was pulled. But yeah, I mean, I, I think I agree with you. I think Huntley's, it's great that the Ravens have Huntley. He's great right now for being a guy who can step in there for a little bit. He has a similar skill set to Lamar, so he can run similar things. But that said, like, another thing I have to say is, and again, I, I do understand the angle of people wanting to go with Huntley from a cost perspective because, yes, it's going to cost a lot to sign Lamar. But here's the thing. You're going to sign him, and you're going to get him at what his value actually is, which is one of the – it's just a top 10 playmaker in this league. That is expensive, but – you know, you have to shell out money if you're going to pay for one of the best playmakers in the league. But you always have to shell out money for a quarterback. So if you keep someone like Huntley, you're it's it's a sunk cost because you're overpaying a replaceable guy. That's a good point. Yeah, because you, 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 so it, it's like I, I understand you're putting a greater allocation towards Lamar, but that allocation has more value than putting locking up what you would have to with Huntley. But I digress. And then the other thing I want to say, and I don't want us to spend too, too much on it, but I, I do think, you know, it's something we have to talk about because the fan base is talking about it, at least some in the fan base. It, it does grind my gears a little bit when people are like, you know, oh, Lamar is mobile. Huntley is mobile. Therefore, they both have the same skills. It, it's I, Huntley, he can run. He, he is very good in this league at doing that. But the, the scrambling ability that Lamar has it, it, it's top five in NFL history. Like Lamar's footwork and what he's able to do in the open field, like that's on the levels of like the Steve Youngs, Michael Vick, Randall Cunningham. Um, I mean, heck, we could put Josh Allen there. You know, Huntley's he 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 doesn't have the same moves. His main move is to just just roll out in that that long curve to the right. And then just kind of run into the to defenders. And if he has to scramble left, it's not pretty. I mean, he made a great play. You're right. He made a great play with Drake. Uh, the footwork on there looked awkward as anything. And it, <laughs> yeah. But it worked, you know. I, I, congrats to him. I just, you know, it, it's just, and it's not a knock on Huntley. It's just saying that Lamar gives them the best chance to win. But certainly, you know, they can, they can they make do with him. He's a member of this team. And I did love seeing, like, it seemed like after that touchdown, it looked like every single member of the offense went and congratulated him. Um, I don't know how obvious it was from the stadium, but on the broadcast, they showed immediately, I think it was Andrews uh, and two members of the offensive line, I can't remember who, like all all surrounded the guy and yeah. just like headbutted him. And then Linderbaum uh, kind of jumped on him as he was exiting. And I think um, Edwards might have... It, it just it, It's quite clear that he's part of the team. The guys love him. And, you know, you, you love seeing that tight-knit uh, group uh, have that support that genuine support uh, for for the next guy up, not just the, like, oh, well, this this guy's in there, so we got to support him. It seems like the team like generally likes this guy and is rooting for him and wants him to do well. So, um, but yeah, I, I think that's enough to talk about the quarterback for now. I actually do want to give one more one more point. Okay, yeah, yeah, sure. I want to comment on Soul's uh, tweet a little bit more. Uh, when I read it like again, I realized like, yeah, I actually kind of agree that. <laughs> I think the handcuffs that was were put on Greg Roman when Tyler Huntley came in somewhat helped <laughs> the Ravens succeed <laughs> because the offensive line could not hold up against this pass rush. Mm. It was really bad, and we had to go to a quick passing game. I'm not saying that we wouldn't have like 
gone that way with Lamar either way. And, and Harbaugh kind of alluded to this, but I get what he's, he's where he's coming from with, from that perspective. But yeah, I think uh, in general, this is not the podcast to come to if you want to, you know, sign Huntley for too many dollars relative to his value wrong with him instead of Lamar uh, going forward. So let's, let's talk about the offensive line. I think I thought they all had a bad game basically, except for maybe Zeitler, who was one of the guys uh, celebrating because he was critical to that play. He blocked three humans <laughs> <laughs> on that play. Like one of the best blocks of the year for any lineman. And uh, I thought he was having a rough game though, besides that one play. And I, I mean, I didn't do like a play by play analysis, but just the overall vibe I got was no notes on Linderbaum. All the tackles look, looked purely defeated. Uh, <laughs> and I guess no notes on powers either. So maybe they had all right games, but, and I, I don't really want to dismiss Zeitler too much. I just, you know, he, he's put such a standard for himself that you kind of notice it, but maybe it was because guys like Oliver had a worse game blocking than they normally do. And, and the, and the tackles were struggling that the Zeitler had to compensate. So anyhow, I, I thought that that the tackles was a huge liability and I'm praying that Stanley's back next week. And Harbaugh gave zero indication of that being the case. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's hard. I agree. It's kind of hard to tell exactly what went wrong uh, for the offensive line in this game. Of course, yes, Denver's front seven is legit. That played a huge role in it. Um, but, it, it, I mean, in particular, I, I agree. The tight end blocking, uh, particularly Oliver, uh, did have some struggles there. I forget where it was, but um, no, actually, I'm pretty sure it was the uh, w- the sack that t- got um, Lamar took Lamar out of the game was just a completely botched block by Oliver. He just never had good position and um, just lost the guy. But yeah, I, the more troubling thing to me, I think, in this game, and again, it, it's hard to pin down 100. percent what the culprit was was just run blocking has been it's been such a big thing for this team this year and they had struggles early on but uh this game it was it was practically non-existent uh no rushing lanes to speak of gus edwards uh only 12 yards on six carries and Kenyon drake didn't do much better and while we did see a couple runs from the quarterbacks nothing too huge so uh, the longest run on the day was tyrell hunt really had a Tyler Huntley had a 14-yard run, and that was the only other run that was longer than 10 yards was one by Drake. So uh, frustrating day on the ground for the Ravens against this Denver front seven. Agreed, and I can only speculate, but I feel like Gus might have gotten hurt on his last run or the last play he was actively involved in because he was not used at all in that final drive during the short yardage plays. I mean, he was he was used on the first one, the, the third and one, and was unsuccessful. But then you didn't see him at all, and he only got 17 snaps, 24% on the day, tying Hill in usage. Another thing that was really interesting about snap counts in the front game, Ricard only played 35% of snaps. So a bit of a, a transition away from uh, using Ricard a lot. I don't know if that was related to Huntley coming in or what, but I thought that was kind of interesting as well. Yeah, particularly if the running game wasn't working because, you know, Say what you will about Ricard. I mean, he's he's certainly been a plus in the in the run blocking game department this season, and pretty much every season he's been 
um, getting a hefty amount of snaps on this team. So, yeah, that is interesting. I, I don't. <laughs> that's that's one that maybe the, the media should have asked, you know, in the press conferences what was going on with that. But, um, you know, Ricard was still in there at least uh, enough to get a, a target out in the flat. Can't have a week uh, without a, <laughs> a throw to Ricard out in the flat, can we? Apparently not. I mean, it's just it's just so bad. Um, to kind of go off of that, like I joked in the chat, it's December fifth. It's two forty five p.m. in twenty twenty two, and Greg Roman is still the offensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens because the press conference ended with Harbaugh, and that's the one you would expect to hear any any kind of change at. You know, the fan base is definitely still frustrated with him. I thought that screenplay was indicative of it. I'm just like, what? what is this? <laughs> you know, like, that, that's just not the, the winning play. But I will give credit where credit's due. They figured out how to finally include Duvernay in more of the game plan. Six for six of his targets um, were kept, caught, not for many yards, but he was also used a lot uh, on jet sweeps and it was critical because they they kind of made that known that uh it was a fake to him on that critical fourth down play second fourth down conversion <laughs> the less questionable fourth down conversion <laughs> of uh the final drive where uh Huntley was able to get the yards necessary to continue I I did like seeing more Duvernay involvement and he also played the most snaps of anyone that wasn't an offensive lineman what I did think was interesting though um I agree 100 percent Great to see DuVernay involved more, and with all the injuries that the Ravens have, while DuVernay is is never going to be a replacement for Rashad Bateman, Marquise Brown uh, level wide receiver, like the guy has skills. We saw that early in the season, and that's kind. He was on his way to a breakout campaign, you know, not on pace for Pro Bowl numbers, but certainly career numbers for him. And while he'll still have a career year, he's really stifled off in in recent weeks. And so it's good that even though it was nothing big to at least see him get back to having a, a heightened role in this offense was good. Uh, another guy who had a decent game uh, was Demarcus Robinson after a tough week in Jacksonville came back, caught seven of eight targets uh, for 41 yards. The only one he didn't catch was a, a, a tough throw where he was defended really well by um, Patrick Sertain, which we, we talked about in the preview show as a, a really tough guy to, fit the ball in against for the Broncos second year corner so again nothing explosive but got himself involved in the offense and you know had had a couple plays where he made good moves after the catch where you know if he was able to make another tackle or miss it might have turned into a bigger game so um, good to see him have a bounce back performance of sorts after the the tough week in Jacksonville yeah absolutely it'll be critical for him to get more and more involved in this offense Glad to see likely make some impact plays on third down. Um, he got hurt there, but came back in. Don't know if it was a stinger or a shoulder dislocation. It was kind of I heard both of those things thrown around. But um, I think we need to see more of that kid. I really think twenty, you know, twelve personnel with him, uh, and and Andrews could be a really magical combination for this offense. I think more dynamic than the Oliver combination that we see more of or the Ricard combination that we see a lot of. So I'm hoping he gets more and more snaps in this offense. And uh, 
yeah, I think overall, like credit to the pass catchers, they were remarkably efficient. And even even the most inefficient one of them all, Mark Andrews, was efficient because he drew penalties on two of the missed targets. So I think uh, that was a key to the success, particularly given the game plan. 100%. And, uh, you know, it, could, it, it looked to me like Mark Andrews could have had a touchdown as well in um, – the, the drive where they where they got the field goal on the second down play. It, it looked to me on rewatch, I don't know if you saw, but there was a window where uh, Huntley had Andrews in the zone, in a soft spot in the zone at around the two-yard line where it looked like he could have drilled it in there and Andrews could have could have easily stepped into the, the end zone. Um, Huntley never looked that way, or if he did, uh, he, didn't, he didn't see it that way on the field and ended up scrambling around. Um, and then on that third down play, it, it looked like they were able to successfully get Andrews in a pick. Uh, and he was, what looked to me, you know, it was about five yards from the line of scrimmage, but you get the ball to him out there in the flat there with just the safety on him, who was about seven yards off. Like, that's a play where it looked like Andrews would have been able to make something happen and go into the red zone, but end zone, excuse me, but didn't happen there. But, you know, Huntley had a good connection with Andrews last year, a really good connection. So that was a little surprising to see, uh, considering how many, how much uh, numbers that connection produced last year. But uh, hopefully, going forward, you know, the connection between the two will be uh, back to the those um, standards. Because with everything else that's going on with the injuries on this on this uh, team to skill positions, like we're really going to need. Uh, those monster games that we had from Mark Andrews down the stretch last season to rematerialize, which isn't to say that he's not playing well. It's just that the the moment is necessitating him to to go back to carrying this team with Lamar and and Dobbins and and Bateman uh, not on the field in some capacity or another currently. Yeah, I hope that Bateman. <sighs> Bateman. <laughs> well, you do hope that Bateman, but you know that hope won't be requited. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I meant to say I hope Dobbins comes back next week because if we're down Lamar, I think having that extra playmaker would be really helpful. Uh, probably a little bit of wishful thinking. Probably be the week after. But what is allowed to wishful think? <laughs> so <laughs> here I am. Just use proper proper discretion while wishful thinking. Side effects include depression and <laughs> sitting lonely on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do we Speaking of which, on? I do have to put it aside here. You, if anyone from the UK Ravens team is listening, I died seeing the tweet that they put up <laughs> over <laughs> watching the broadcast. What was it? Gosh, I, sh- I shared it in our Oh, our yeah, chat. the um, medicine one. I, I want to make sure that I get it right, though, because it wasn't just, just the topic. It was, it was how they worded it. Let me just make sure I can bring this up correctly. Oh, I have it. Do you want to read it? <laughs> In other words, it's a classic day for advertising medicine with horrific side effects. <laughs> or horrifying rather, side effects. Which is is such a which is such a, a Brit thing to notice about uh, American advertising because of course, you know, the differences in, in health <laughs> uh care between the two countries. But I digress. I, I, I got a really good chuckle from that tweet. Good job, guys. But <laughs> Well, and I also want to add in uh you know, UK Ravens, obviously, if you're not listening to it, I think it's one of the best Ravens podcasts. I kind of like their format, too. It's like one episode a week, and like they, they get it all done in Wednesday because it's the middle of the week. You get more time to watch the film, more time to see what's going on. And uh, the other thing is they have some awesome merch. 
highly recommend checking out their awesome merch. I was actually wearing their shirt to the game. Uh, it's never pretty. It's never perfect, but it's us. And uh, I thought that was really fitting after that win. <laughs> so maybe you can blame my shirt selection of the day for why the Ravens played so poorly. But yeah, definitely check out their merch. It's really cool. And uh, I don't know if it, I actually, you know, what I would say if you ordered it right now, you probably would get it for Christmas for any like Ravens fans in your life because it got to me really fast. I was pretty impressed by it. Uh, I don't know if it was, I think it might've been fulfilled in the US, <laughs> but it's still the UK Ravens. So we like that. Uh, definitely second that. Uh, UK Ravens do a great job. Uh, their podcast, excellent listen to. And um, of course, what would an episode of one winning podcast be without a, f- a free advertising space to someone? Absolutely. Hey, they're, they're <laughs> that's, friends. Our, that's our thing. Free advertising. <laughs> they're, they're good friends of the show, though. So, they are. Absolutely. <laughs> I think we should move on, but not to the defense. I want to talk about special teams. Let's I think do this it. is the best unit of the day, and we don't often talk about special teams. We sometimes take them for granted. But they had big plays on all aspects of the specialness. Let's begin. The GOAT, Justin Tucker, automatic for three field goals and a PAT. Worth noting, just because we're doing a special team segment, <laughs> but uh, highly normal for him. Wait, wait, wait. Three field goals. Fact check. Oh, Jesus. I wish. <laughs> been a different ballgame. I was thinking about the field goals that they kicked. One field goal and a PAT. Not nearly as interesting <laughs> for Justin Tucker. <laughs> no, but I, I think something that is interesting to note, and as someone who was at the game, you might have a better um, take on this, was I felt that the decisions of handling kickoffs were very interesting. We saw a lot of short kickoffs, yes. uh, a lot of kickoffs um, kind of to the side as well. And I, uh, the broadcast did mention the wind. I'm assuming that the, the wind was kind of a little fickle during the game to make that uh, part of the strategy. I was wondering your take on it as someone at the game. I, it was very not windy. And in fact, actually, it really messed with it really messed with my perception of what to wear because the temperature looked similar to the last time and it was like cold as anything. So I had a bazillion layers and it was like the least layers needed since like October. It was super... Uh, fine outside <laughs> so like yeah i uh I, I don't know about the wind maybe in other parts we know that the stadium's weird with those scoreboards and stuff maybe there was wind but i will say i'm glad that you brought it up it was in my notes i would love to know if there's a, a stat you know please comment if you know about this called like positive kickoff attempts basically saying like we intentionally chose and maybe it's hard to know intention but let's say we did not kick a touchback possible kick it was short and they had to return it and they did not get to the 25 yard line because the Ravens did that consistently and sometimes exceptionally during this game and I think that was a big difference maker we saw Worley and Seymour both succeed on kickoffs and we also saw Seymour succeed on a punt and uh, make a really good tackle to stop any chance of a return and I think that was a huge bright spot for this team Definitely, 100%. Um, and, and you love to see, again, the, the team aspect of this win. Uh, Justin Tucker run up and, and jump on, uh, on on Wormley, I believe. It, or No, sorry, Seymour uh, on that final kickoff before the Broncos' last drive after he made the, the stop there. Uh, just special teams coverage in general, excellent. And, and that extends uh, excellence in the special teams to 
Um, my nickname for this guy is the second most hated hated man in Baltimore because I think number <laughs> one is a uh, is a uh, Mister Mister Deshaun Watson who had a, a very rude welcoming back to the NFL over the weekend. Uh, but I think the second most hated man in Baltimore is rookie punter Jordan Stout, just because you know <laughs> of the fact that the Ravens drafted him in the fourth round and didn't take a wide receiver there. And I think he's getting the brunt, uh, fairly or unfairly. Um, well, unfairly for him, but maybe fairly towards the organization if <laughs> you want to take that route. Um, I'm Team Stout, but I understand the argument against it. Uh, but uh, you know. He's taken some some hits from some some critics recently. Uh, you know, growing pains for a rookie. Uh, but of course, people are going to be have shorter patience for a punter. But uh, he may have had the best uh, game punting wise of his young career so far uh, this past Sunday. Best non preseason game for sure. <laughs> he had some real darlings in the preseason, and uh, I think that may have been part of the reason why. Myself and others may have had higher expectations because <laughs> it's like, well, it's punting. How, how difficult could this be as far as <laughs> translating? Like preseason, it's all the same. Um, but I do want to say, yeah, he had a great game, huge average, uh, you know, boosted by the 63-yard punt that he had that Seymour was fanning for the extra couple yards there. And uh, yeah, I think uh, you definitely got to give him credit. You know, good two good holds as well. But yeah, Stout definitely had a bounce back game, and I was really happy to see that. Yeah, the results of of the punts were were incredible for the game. Six punts in total. Uh, I I don't know if this is one hundred percent exact, but this is what I have recorded from the rewatch. The first punt was fair caught at the Denver twenty one. Second fair caught at the nineteen. Uh, third one uh, hit the ground at the twenty two, and uh, Denver received it around the twelve and got like a one or two yard return off that uh, fourth one hit on the 25 rolled all the way down to the seven. I'm pretty sure that's the one Alec is referring to where Seymour was fanning it. Yeah. Um, fifth one uh, was stout bang that one from around the 25 yard line of the Ravens all the way down to the Denver seven um, did outpace the coverage a bit, uh, but still the, the return was only uh, to the 18. And then the last one um, was basically, caught at the 19 and then return it was dropped there so for all intents and purposes all of these punts the broncos their best start from that was at the 21 yard line so uh you know some of them sure could have gone a little worse if the coverage hadn't hadn't cleaned it up but that's effective that's that's what you would hope for from that guy when you draft him in the fourth round that's a super great point peter and i actually think it's a good transition to the defense but two things happen I mean, all that coverage that wasn't as like good, you know, or that was outpaced by the punt. There was a chance to get him before then too. It was just a missed tackle, so um, it could have been three or uh, fully inside the twenty. But then also, I'll say these extra yards, either by a good stop, a good punt, or the kickoff returns, really help the Ravens and their defense not give up more points in this game because many times drives stalled right that edge of kicking a field goal or punting it and the Broncos chose to punt every single time except for the one time they had to kick it to win the game and I think that's really notable because maybe the Ravens would have tried an extra kick in there because there's many drives that stopped right around you know 58 to 60 some yard field goal oh let's talk about this defense I thought overall 
a great performance. Hard to complain about a team that gave up only nine points. Although I was hoping for a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I totally get it. The, the shutout, it's incredible um, how bad this offense has been this year for the Broncos. Um, and it was again on display this game. That there was never at any point that the Broncos offense looked like they were on the cusp of figuring something out and putting up any type of threat on that side of the ball. And yet still the Ravens did give up a couple big plays in the secondary, um, two deep balls to, to Judy. And then, uh, Greg Dulcich, um, the rookie tight end, uh, who's really rookie jumbo receiver for them, um, had some catches deep on the slant. Um, though to the Ravens credit, the, the Broncos did target him a lot and, the Ravens were able to pick up on some of them. Um, Geno Stone had a great wrap-up tackle uh, to drop Dolchich for for no gain on a third down. And and there was another time where I, I can't remember when it was and who did it, but where there was a really good pass breakup there. Um, and uh, Roquan Smith uh, ran him down on a screen for a minimal gain as well. But yeah, that part of the coverage and the defense was the most concern how easily the the Broncos were able to get to the tight end granted that was the only thing they were able to easily do but if you wanted to nitpick in the defense uh that's where you focus if you're the Ravens when you're watching tape and what you want to shore up before you go on and play the Steelers and and Pat Firemuth for sure and we saw honestly there was only a couple plays all game one of them you just mentioned was a pass off between Marlowe and the safety in zone coverage of, uh, of Tolchik and, and he was open and able to get a big 22 yard catch. Uh, that in addition to the 44 or some 40 some yard pass to Judy at the very beginning of the drive led to a field goal, uh, the second field goal of the day for the Russell Wilson led offense. I would say their best, uh, drive of the whole game was the first drive the, off, the defense wasn't tackling as well then they seemed a little off their feet in the run game that's where they gave the biggest running yards of the whole game and uh, it was 12 plays for 49 yards and a field goal I, I thought that was easily the best drive that the Broncos had probably was scripted you know they had the Dolce catch in there to really help boost the yardage otherwise just like able to convert first downs a couple times um, nothing terribly good but just you know good sequencing of plays but uh, I think that's the biggest thing is this defense needs to figure out how to pass off zone a little bit better. They were doing really well with it at one point, and now I think it's gotten a little bit worse. And if they figure that out, um, I mean, they're, they're pretty darn good, man. Like, it's really hard to complain about this defense. They aren't giving up many points. Um, they usually are able to – they got so many great third down stops. If you want to talk about the best plays of the game, so many of them came on third down to stop a drive. And I think you can't uh, talk about this defense without talking about that. No, one hundred percent. Like I said, I brought up the the Geno Stone play. Um, there were multiple drives where uh, the Broncos tried to run up up the gut or up the A or B gap, and you know they they got met by by Travis Jones. Justin Matabike uh, had an excellent stuff for loss early in the game, and then we even had we even had Oway get in on the action and, and be part of a third down sack and. You know, we could we could list. There were so many great third down plays. We could spend the rest of the pod listing them. But <laughs> yes, the defense stepped up big on third down. The offense wasn't able to convert many third downs this game, although they were perfect on fourth down conversion, three for three. Uh, but the third down defense was here for the Ravens, and it played an incredibly 
uh, essential role in keeping this game close. Uh, like you said, just keeping the, the Broncos out of field goal range in tandem with uh, the poor starting position that they were dealt by the special teams. For sure, Peter. And I think it's funny, like, <laughs> I'm sure it was an emphasis after last week to be better on third and fourth down, but it's like a core tenet of playing good defense. <laughs> it, <Right>. almost, <laughs> it almost doesn't matter. Like, I, it's funny to emphasize something that it's, like, so incredibly obvious, <laughs> but they they definitely performed, and they had some big plays there. One thing I want to point out, another, another listener question, if any listeners know, tweet at us. What is the definition of a tackle for a loss? Because I see so many more tackles for a loss when I'm writing up the notes than are ever credited in the in the game books. <laughs> it's like they lost yards on the play. Isn't that a tackle for a loss? <laughs> I don't know how this works. <laughs> That's a good question. I actually never <laughs> thought to look that up. I don't know. It's it's probably some some multi step uh, a process. You know. Listener KJ was was telling us in the group chat where he's trying to explain uh, the process of a catch to his wife at 1 a.m. and that <laughs> was it turned out to be way more complicated than <laughs> either anticipated. Yeah, so. I think they, they both left the conversation more confused about what a catch actually is. <laughs> it's probably the same thing if we delve down that rabbit hole. I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll do some research on that. Maybe if I'm if I'm rocking the the infant to bed at, at 3 a.m. and I'll I'll look on my phone and see if that I can do that, but. <laughs> Here's my hunch. I think it has to be for more than a yard or two. I think it has mm. to be like a more significant tackle for loss, which I think is unfair. <laughs> but nevertheless, <laughs> I think that's what it is. That's my guess for why these aren't registered is like it's like a one yard loss or a two yard loss. And it probably has to be like three or more. That's my guess. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's right, given what I've been seeing. But uh, yeah, I think uh, the defense like overall was really good. You know, defensive line got great push all game in the run and the pass game. I just I was really hoping for more sacks, but they had him dead to rights a couple times. A couple times he had to like scramble for no gain or a very short gain. And uh, Bowser also was like super effective in this game, in my opinion. He had the pass deflection, good in coverage, good tackling. Another great game by Bowser. Oh, Tyus Bowser is, has come back fully from his injury. He's been excellent. Um, and you know, some, another uh, group of players I want to highlight from this game. Uh, I really enjoyed watching the tandem of Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen, uh, particularly in run defense. Uh, the, the Ravens were really aggressive in in blitzing the run in this game. You had multiple times where you had both Smith and Queen rushing the line, and the line was able to block one of them, but then the other guy was able to come through. Um, just a, a lot of instances like that. Uh, Queen's tackling has improved. There was he had Murray in the backfield on, on one play early, where he broke through the line, and it, it was just a textbook tackle. I was really proud of him, and and that's a bigger back too. Uh, we we know Queen has at times had difficulties tackling uh, larger humans, but in this game in particular, uh, he did a really good job at that. Um, sure, we can still poke holes in the coverage, and again, you know, a, a game where the offense isn't going to spread. Uh, going to come out in as much spread isn't going to challenge deep as often and, and you know have well I was going to say you know really utilize the tight end in the passing game but that is what happened here so you know I guess we can talk about that but ultimately like this is a matchup where that it, that is going to benefit Queen's skill set more so but I, I still think you know highlight his good things when it happens the pairing of him and Smith uh just continues to get better with each game. And hopefully 
that'll still be the case when the Ravens do ultimately have to, to face uh, tougher passing attacks, which might not come until the last week of the season against Cincinnati. Yeah, it's. I'm just glad that Queen had a pro, uh, positive diagnosis. I hope that he's able to come back because I think against Pat Firemove next week and the Steelers, the linebackers are going to play, play a big part. And I would hope to see you know improvement in coverage you know from this game and and just see that that general like overall is a sentence that we've seen from Patrick Queen. Hopefully he's able to play. I feel like not, but like maybe uh, it just seems like a big old bruise. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes over the course of the week. And um, yeah, I think, I mean, that mostly wraps up my thoughts on the game. I don't know if you had any other defensive uh, points you wanted to bring up. Well, I think the last thing we got to bring up is is just um, how night and day this defense is with uh, Kyle Hamilton back there. He was back. Uh, he did exit the game briefly at one point. I'll be honest. I can't remember if he went back in or not. I, I certainly hope he did. It was in the second half. Do you, do you know what I'm referencing? Did he did he return back in the game? He did. He did return. I was really okay, happy to good. see it. But uh, yeah, he definitely, I was really scared when he went off. And he seemed to be running well in the punt coverage when he played. So I think he's all right. And uh, yeah, that no other, uh, I guess, comments were made about him after the game as far as injury. So yeah, that's good. He he was around the ball a lot in um, against the run. Uh, Chuck Clark was too. That's uh, something the Ravens did a lot this game was really bring the safeties uh, to defend the run. But there are a couple instances where he made some plays in the passing game as well. And just, man, I, I really can't wait till we get Marcus Williams back and we just get to see this this uh, secondary with with Williams, Clark, and Hamilton, you know, like Hamilton living up to his draft pedigree uh, all, all back there at once. It's it's a thing that, got, that has to give you hope because, I mean, Williams, he's back at practice, so hopefully he can come back out there. It would I'd imagine he'd be able to. And, you know, we can talk about this beat-up offense, and we will. I guess some more in, in the next episode when going into the Steelers preview, but yes, we do have a beat up offense like we did last season, but last season we also had an atrociously beat up defense as well. Uh, the defense is a different story this year. You were not getting the performances that you got against the, the Broncos and against the Panthers and the, the Buccaneers and the saints um, last year. Now, of course, yes, there was a breakdown against the Jags, but again, you didn't have Hamilton in that game. I still think that it would have been a different story, even just if you had him. And that was a secondary without both Hamilton and Williams. So I don't know. For me, the the secondary is the thing that gives me the biggest hope that that this team can make a, a run in the postseason, even if we're still beat up with some injuries on offense. Um, but you know that that's my take. I'm curious what what you what your take is right now with where you think this team is and what their their ceiling can still be oh likewise i mean the defense is very very good and it's only going to get better assuming that there's not too much attrition injury wise uh i do think marcus williams will be back either this week or next saturday scheduling note right saturday game (laughs) uh, december 17th against the browns got moved up it's part of a triple header dolphins bills afterwards very interesting game for our playoff implications so yeah just keep an eye on that adjust your plans accordingly but uh yeah i think the defense is what's going to carry this team even if lamar gets back healthy and the offense starts clicking you know i think it's going to be a defensive thing because we just don't have the playmakers outside of lamar and mark andrews uh and even if one of these guys start to really show at the end of the year like it's just one of those things i just don't know how like 
guarantee they are week to week, game to game, play to play. So the defense is the biggest thing. If they're if they're putting up like if they're gonna spot you like ten points in, that's it. You know, thirteen points, that's it. Any offense in the league, including the Ravens with Lamar Jackson, should be able to score more and then win the game. So that's that's what gives you hope. And that's why I'm not losing hope on this team, despite the fact that like God, the worst game in recent memory I've ever seen. But like, you know, just like it's all because of the offense. You know, it's just like <laughs> the defense played well. The special teams played well. It was all the offense. It was all like the scheme and and it just I never seen a fan base more disengaged at a game. They were a little disengaged during the Steelers game, but it was the Steelers, so it was like a thing. I, I honestly feel like this was like pretty bad, you know. And it's just because they didn't give him much to root for. <laughs> you know, it just it was really disheartening. Play after play after play. Very little fan engagement almost all game, you know, other than booing. They're really good at that. But like, you know, I couldn't cheer much because of the voice, but like there was just very mm. little like third down, like, you know, cheering or like any even even when the defense was playing well, the offense was such a, like a drain of energy that like there was little like enthusiasm. So uh Yada's speech by the way, last last thing we gotta talk about. Yonda when he had his Ring of Honor speech, like I think he's like trying to be a politician or something. I forget, but like it seemed like he was practicing a stump speech. He didn't smile much, but he was like delivering very powerful lines. <laughs> and uh, well, that man never smiled much from what, my recollection. <laughs> yeah, and he, he delivered very powerful lines. And the best part was like at the end. I, I really thought with the way he was talking, like you know, like this this team has a, a winning. Uh, culture and like they always like win and that's like a big thing and i thought he was gonna say something like i'll be damned if they don't win this game and i get stuck in the ring of honor because like <laughs> they were like losing at that point right <laughs> and like it just really sounded like he was going to that point like it, like the, some of the players back on the field at this point it was near the end of the speech near the end of halftime and i just thought he was gonna be like get your ass in the gear <laughs> so um pretty pretty cool it was good to see him get inducted 100 percent 100%. All right. So I guess we want to get into MVPs. Yeah, got to do it quickly. Obviously, Chris was on his cruise, so I don't think he had an MVP to send in to us. But uh, Peter, why don't you go ahead first? Well, the obvious answer is Tyler Huntley, so I'll just take that one off the board. But then I got to also give it again to the second most hated man in Baltimore, uh, Jordan Stout, with those punts, man. Uh, hopefully the start of, of uh, some really good things for this guy in his Ravens career. I love it, dude. I think that was who I was going to go with if you didn't pick him. Because I also assume that you know Huntley might get off the board. So, dude, I'm going to go in the same vein. I'm going to give it to Seymour with two big plays on special teams. You know, why not give it the props to special teams in this game? So, Seymour, you're my MVP. All right, and that does it. Uh, listen to us later in the week. We'll have uh, the Steelers preview for that game. Uh, a guest this week. It's been a, a little bit since we've had a guest, but... Uh, good friend of ours from one of our fantasy football leagues uh steve will be on to discuss the game with us and uh continue to make sure that you're subscribed to wherever you get your podcasts uh, as well as youtube for our content all season long and let's go ravens let's finish the season out and get in the playoffs and see what happens